Julie. And this is a good story is hard to find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Oh yeah. And this time we're going to talk about My Cousin Vinny, which is not my real cousin Vinny. This is a movie called My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's from 1992. <laughs> it's, I don't know that I have a cousin Vinny. Well, I know I don't, but I might have a hard time with him. I don't know. I feel like in person. <laughs> oh, man. He's kind of, he lives large. Oh, he does. And those boots, I've got to buy me a pair of those boots. With well, the, it'll help you blend. That's right. <laughs> At least he's wearing boots in the South. Oh, you blend. You blend. <laughs> oh, man. What a fun movie. This is a funny, funny movie. Um, uh, 1992. Um, it was directed by Jonathan Lynn. And uh, written by Dale Lawner, and it stars Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, and uh, the great Ralph Macchio. And Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I guess The, the Munsters. Munsters is his famous one, but yeah, I, do, was, I just love that guy. He was in a lot of other things, I guess, but I only ever knew him as um, Herman Munster, and I was so surprised seeing him in this what good acting he could do <laughs> when he wasn't being all broad and Herman uh, Munstery. Yeah. Yeah, I remember he was in Pet Cemetery, the first version of that well, movie. And Car 54, Where Are You? And that's with, the one that springs to mind, but I never saw it. Yeah, oh, I've, I've seen many episodes, but... Oh. Yeah. It used okay. to be on in the mornings when, you know, who knows <laughs> okay. when it was on. Um, I thought maybe after school, but yeah, yeah I knew it, it wasn't could, current. It could have been after school too, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's where I saw it, like on TBS or something like that, mm-hmm. back when I was wee, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> many, many years ago, many moons ago. Um, but yeah, another neat thing about this is that Marissa Tomei uh, won an Oscar for this movie. For Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, and she was so good. And of course, it's, I think, rare, at least these days, for a broad comic role to get that kind of notice. Yeah. It's one thing to get nominated, which is, I think, also unusual, because everybody likes, you know, something that's serious and saying something. Right, right. But it's nice to celebrate something that's just good acting, light, funny, does a good job. And the outfit she wears, I was watching this going, oh my gosh, I forgot one outfit more outrageous than the next. I just <laughs> loved watching her clothes. Oh my gosh, that is funny. Whereas Vinny's never changed. Yeah. Unless he was forced to wear a suit. But yeah, it was black on black. <laughs> yeah. He was, you know, he was dressed up. It was done. Oh, funny. Yeah, and Marissa Tomei at the time, this was a breakout thing for her. She, mm-hmm. uh, in 1992, she was very new. So she okay. won a uh, it's the Chicago Film Critics Association Award for Most Promising Actress that same year. And oh. it says here, also for Chaplin. So she must oh. have been in that Charlie Chaplin movie. Okay, which, which I Which I haven't saw. seen for a long time. I, mm-hmm. I, I did watch it. I recall seeing it. Okay. Um, Robert Downey Jr. played Chaplin. Yep. I had a vague memory that mm-hmm. that's how that went, but I just didn't care about Charlie Chaplin, so... Mm. You know, yeah, um, yeah, and this movie—it's funny. You say 1992, and 
it's somehow timeless to me. Mm, yeah. I mean, other than the fact, I guess, that there's regular telephones. But Marissa Tomei with her camera, it almost looks like an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. So when yeah. she's taking pictures, even though it's a camera and you're getting printed out pictures, <laughs> um, it's it that kind of makes it a little bit more seeming like they're a more modern couple. Mm-hmm. And because it's set in the Deep South in a small town that is deliberately behind the times, it it doesn't feel dated to me as much. I don't know. How do you feel yeah, about I that? I didn't feel like it was dated either. Um, it could be. I know the movie too well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it a lot of times. Yeah, it's possible. You know, the the cars they were driving and talking about were, you know, older for sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, her running around with her camera, that's not unlike we'd have today. Um, but yeah, she did have to go get the pictures developed. Yeah. But um but yeah, there there wasn't really a lot in there that seemed dated. Right. And it all seemed fairly true to a small town. I mean, you know, the thing with the the train going through town and <laughs> you know, all the things, the little kinds of restaurants and mm-hmm. all that stuff felt real, especially since my husband and I have been trying to go fairly regularly just for a little day trip date thing down out to different small towns around Dallas. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just to see, you know, it's like, I've heard of McKinney and Waxahachie and all these places, but I don't think I've ever been there. So we go look and often they're the town square thing with the County courthouse. And so, you know, it's just interesting which towns are thriving. What is their atmosphere? Mm-hmm. All the things. Are you finding and, any uh, multi-calendar diners? <laughs> uh, well, we found a pretty good one. I nice. forgot about that. It might have been a maybe three. Uh-huh. Nice. It was pretty modern, but it's still the food it served was dinery. Mm, good. You know? Yeah, love it. Yeah, to me, the most notable thing is you go around now because it's the pandemic, and you're just like, oh, right, I forgot Collin County. They're living maskless. It's like no pandemic ever happened there's yeah. not even docks on the floor oh sure and I, I mean Collin yeah. county is not like dallas county <laughs> so it was just it's funny to see those differences oh for sure we we li- live um really close i mean you, you just go just a few miles out of town and you're in rural area and um, right. and yeah so yeah all those little towns it's like it never even hit there mm-hmm. um yeah and you have to go about 45 minutes or so out of town to really get to an area that's kind of rural here mm. just because we're close to downtown and it's a big city so um and that's what we try to do because we because for us a lot of the value is in the car trip oh yeah and um yeah. <laughs> th- that's part of what i enjoy about this is watching these two boys i guess everybody's probably seen it but we should give a brief synopsis sure yeah you bet we ought to right so Sure. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's about a couple of boys who are on their way across country to go to college, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they um stop at a convenience store in Alabama and they buy a bunch of items and um one of them puts a can of tuna in his pocket cuz his hands are full and forgets to pay for it. But um then they they drive away. And after they drive away, they get pulled over by police who are searching for um, 
they they I, I, it, it, is it too much to reveal what's no because okay. it's pretty early on. yeah it is pretty okay so they um they quickly realize that they've been picked up not for shoplifting but because the clerk at the store that they had just visited had been killed and now they are murder suspects and um they're they're being poor students they have no lawyers and but uh Ralph Macchio has a cousin Vinny and he's he, a lawyer he's a lawyer right so he uses his phone call to call um his mom i think and mm-hmm. his mom gets a hold of Vinny and Vinny and um Mona Lisa <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mona Lisa's her name right yeah they show up uh in this small town in Alabama and he is going to defend these two against the murder charges and he is he is a, a brand new lawyer <laughs> Right, they many, don't. Yeah, he took the. Yeah, they don't the realize how new he is, and we won't go into maybe all that. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, it's it's funny because they manage to take the fish out of water idea, which is what provides a lot of comedy ideas, and do it both for these very um, specific what New Yorker types, and put them in this small town in the deep south so there's the fish out of water there they don't know what grits are Hmm. they don't they don't understand about getting mud in your tires all these things and then there's the fish out of water in that Vinny doesn't really understand a how the state politics or not politics state judicial laws work and he doesn't even understand how the basics of try running being in a trial attorney um, work. And so he's the fish out of water in court as well with a judge who insists that proper protocol be followed, especially with a New York lawyer where the judge is very much on his mettle to show people think we're small and bumpkinish here. We are not. That's right. Yeah. And um, th- it's a really good point that you make there um, that, you know, the judge, th- there's, there's like, he's not being evil against Joe Pesci, but Joe mm-hmm. Pesci is, he doesn't know the protocol and the judge is demanding that protocol be followed. And, um, that's, that's good stuff. It, it really creates a lot of tension, but, um, but no one's being treated unfairly. We've all, but I mean, I think we synopsized enough and now, and now we're in the trial and the trial is the rest of the movie. Yeah, it really is. Although, um, one of the things I was surprised about, though, is that, speaking of lawyers, that lawyers love this movie. Oh. They mm-hmm. love it. It is number three on the ABA, American Bar Association, I guess, list of top legal movies. Really? Vinny well, that's is, interesting. <laughs> yeah, Vinny is number 12. In, oh gosh, I need to remember the name of this list. Um, basically, the, the list of best attorneys who aren't Atticus Finch <laughs> from To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, my gosh. Number 12. Uh-huh. Number 12. Yeah. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. So they say part of why it has so much staying power with these guys is unlike, you know, A Few Good Men, which... 
I love that movie, but you know, we can't say it's realistic. Mm. Everything that happens in the trial could happen and often does happen in the, in a real trial. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I was surprised, in fact, to find that there's this list, if you look at Wikipedia for it, and it talks about um, all these judges' comments about my cousin Vinny. Hmm. So, like, there's a Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals judge who praised it and was talking about its particularly rich and practice tips. And then he lists all these tips about how well it's done. Oh, wow. Uh, Chief Judge Merrick Garland of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia in a 2019 decision. So that's a 1992 movie. (laughs) This is a 2019 decision stated, In 1992, Vincent Gambini taught a master class in cross-examination. And then he went on and extensively quoted from a cross-examination scene in the film. Hmm. Well, that's amazing. Um, A U.S. Supreme Court? A justice, Antonine Scalia, cited uh-huh. my cousin Vinny <laughs> as an example of the principle that a client can choose his own lawyer. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> as we see, my cousin Vinny, I don't think to think of that being quoted. Oh, my gosh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's the stuff. And what happens is, is you find that the um, director was a trained attorney. He has a law degree. That's amazing, yeah. And so he wanted to be sure that it was realistic. Oh, that's fantastic. So the director, he's Jonathan Lynn, and he's British. Yeah. Uh, It says here, Jonathan Lynn and Anthony Jay created and wrote every episode of the acclaimed BBC political comedy series, Yes, Minister, and Yes, Prime Minister. I've never seen that. Have you? Yeah, I've seen a few episodes of Yes, Prime Minister. Okay. I know um, it's an older Yeah, but uh, it's just series. an interesting thing. So, yeah, he's uh, mm-hmm. coming over from England and getting all the facts right. That's awesome. Well, yeah, and it's the thing where um, they say it's, it's that bit of the movie where Mona Lisa says, you've now been thrown out of, you know, thrown into jail for contempt of court twice. Why can't you do this right? And he says, look. She goes, didn't you go to law? What did they teach you in law school? And he goes, they taught us law. They taught us contract, Mm -hmm. but not how to practice the law. You learn that from your law firm. Mm. And he said he was going to go to court and watch trials and learn how to do it, but he was busy working during the day and all these various things. And um, a lot of the lawyers commenting on this when I was reading different reviews, and boy, there are tons of them out there. They do love this movie. Um, They were saying, actually, legal school will teach you some of the things that he gets wrong. But they're like, but if you don't practice them all the time and you're under all kinds of other stress, it's reasonable to assume he's not going to get that right. Mm. But he gets right all the stuff that it's hard to teach. And um, let's see here. So his ability to interview clients to gather facts, to prepare the theory of a case, to negotiate, to know when to ask a question and when to stay quiet, to cross-examine a witness forcefully but with charm in order to expose the weaknesses in their testimony. And they say, so when he's cross-examining the man on the grits, the guy in his dirty windows, and the lady on her glasses, Mm -hmm. that represents technically competent impeachment of the prosecutor's witnesses. And so they say this movie, I remember hearing that, oh gosh, I can't remember which person it was. So 12 Angry Men, 
is another famous legal film. Yeah. And everybody loves it. And I remember that somebody who is or was a Supreme Court justice was telling a jury one time in her courtroom and said, look, we all love that movie, but don't do what they did. Don't reinvestigate. You just have to examine what's given to you. And um, so she was saying, don't follow that. Whereas mm. here people say, this is the right way to do things. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so you that's don't great. think about yeah. this movie because really it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not watching it to learn about the law, mm-hmm. and you're delighting in it. It's for me. It was. It would have been more of a mystery or a puzzle. Like, how could all these eyewitnesses say these boys did this with this same car and everything? And it's so clearly not them. We watched. Right. Right. We trust the kids, but also we saw everything that happened. So yeah, so it is a it is a compelling story, and the the um, the courtroom drama is fantastic um, oh, because yeah. uh, you know, like you said, we we know that they didn't do it. It would have been right. Yeah, we we feel like we had all those facts. We know that they didn't do it. So it's like, well, how on earth? You know, you, you go through points where you're like, well, did they talk these people into saying that? You know, what what on earth is the prosecutor? You know, I, I know at one point in the movie, I'm thinking that the prosecutor is not straight up, you know, like he's trying to uh, get a feather in his cap and doesn't care about guilt or innocence, just wants to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but even he was acting properly throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they had the facts wrong, you know, and that, you know, that, that leads into some things, you know, about guilt and innocence, to me, that that the movie did make me think about, oh, you know, well, the let's... well, just the you know, people talk about the death penalty, and one of the reasons to be against the death penalty, in my opinion, is things like this. You know, it's like, are we ever absolutely certain that we have the person that did that? Um, you know, our our understanding of everything is flawed. So not not even talking from a Catholic, you know, respect for life mm-hmm. position. Just uh, from that position, to me, it makes sense to be uh, against the death penalty, um, simply because we get things incorrect. And here's an example of a close call <laughs> where well, we definitely could have had that. Yeah, and I think there are times when you can tell exactly, but this mm-hmm. is all based on circumstantial evidence. Yeah, from witnesses, yeah, and, and there are there are times when you can tell exactly for sure. Yeah, and I'm still against it. Um, right. In those in those cases, but for different reasons, right? But well, but so- yeah, incarcerating or or you know uh, taking the life from someone who's innocent is something that we should absolutely never do. Right. That's the innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, but even in our system, proven guilty sometimes. And uh, you know, just sometimes is mm-hmm. not correct. Yeah, you we see may, that we now may because be wrong. yeah, they have better DNA analysis, mm-hmm. and they can go back and say, "Well, this person actually didn't commit this crime." And right. you hear yeah. for some poor person who they served twenty years, but mm-hmm. now they get to get out anyway. Right. Well, and so and so then let's just talk very briefly about you brought up. That's you know that's the reason. Just on a common sense thing, if me or some of mine got stuck in jail because of circumstantial evidence. Um, For one thing, that makes me think about when somebody you know and trust swears they didn't do something and everything looks against them, 
is it hard to believe them or not? Yeah. You know, I, I'm somebody who believe, kind of tends to believe authority, and I tend to believe in evidence like, you know, they're showing here. And like I say, we're shown that they didn't do it. But Vinny just comes in and says, no, they didn't do it. I know they didn't do it. I believe in the character of these people. And he doesn't say it like that, but he just goes, he starts from they're innocent. Mm-hmm. And when everything pops up, he believes them anyway. I'd like to think I'd be like that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially, you know, when you know someone really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just like, yeah, I guess man, if, I just like don't if it was see my this. husband or my girls, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, um, yeah, and so then the Catholic part is the reason that even if somebody's guilty, you don't want the death penalty, is that they still have a chance to redeem their souls. There is the possibility of change and salvation for each of these people, no matter what they've done or how terrible they are right then. And there are some documented cases, and I didn't think to look any up, of... um people who have had revelations or just through other development have totally changed. And I'm thinking of, gosh, who was the Watergate guy? Who oh, Charles, out, started Chuck uh, Colson. Charles Colson. Yeah. Chuck yeah. Colson, mm-hmm. who was morally bankrupt basically. And in prison, he changed. He discovered Christ or Christ. He basically opened up and saw Christ going, oh, finally, you know, here I am. And became an ardent evangelical Christian and came out, started a big ministry and everything. And he lived it till he died. Mm. And that's a highly publicized case. There are other cases of people who have done it that are more um, like, you know, they're up for sainthood or whatever that you hear about. Definitely. That's, that's fascinating. But yeah, that's exactly right. The, uh, that that chance for redemption um, still exists for that person, and by taking their life, we've removed the possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, and something I was kind of interested in because I didn't really think about that actually until um, I came across the information that the director is an opponent of capital punishment, and he thinks the film expresses an anti-death penalty message without preaching and demonstrates the unreliability of eyewitness testimony. Hmm. And I that had never occurred to me, <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, when you think about it, um, you know, there was someone down the hall from them and from their cell who got executed. I mean, we mm-hmm. never we never meet the person. Um, but, you know, the lights dim and stuff and and there was a little bit of talk about how the the chair wasn't working properly. Oh, well, and, that was, yeah, yeah. That was the dumb Southern thing. Right. And then there was, you know, some picketers outside. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever she picks up <laughs> Joe Pesci from the, you know, <laughs> the whenever she pick, yeah, whenever Mona Lisa picks up Vinny from there, she's standing amongst protesters who are against the death penalty. So, right. Um, well, and so that's what ties in with the point we were kind of touching on earlier where nobody in the jo- movie is mean. So the judge, the prosecutor, and the sheriff are all doing their jobs, and they expect Vinny to know how to do his, and that's where the problems come up, because he doesn't know how to do his job. <laughs> and the director was saying that, um, you know, the, the film, he says, we think a film has to have 
a protagonist and an antagonist. So the antagonist is the bad guy. And it's like, but the judge isn't corrupt. You know, he's straight-laced, but he's not bad. He's fair. The prosecutor is more than fair. The sheriff, he's just following the trail of evidence. Nobody's doing anything wrong. So one thing that does is it makes the movie more human and believable because we don't have to hate those people. They're being perfectly reasonable. Mm -hmm. and But it does make it unsettling because then the antagonist in the director's eyes is the uncertainty of justice in our court system, even when everyone's well-intentioned. Because what if Vinny didn't have the talents he had that once he learned the legality or, you know, the rules, he could use his talents mm -hmm. to look into things and find out how things are done? Yeah, Right. Absolutely. And, and, um, I, I love that thought, you know, and, uh, another thing about Vinny is it wasn't until he accepted some help from outside mm -hmm. that allowed all that to come out. Right. You mm -hmm. know, and that was Mona Lisa, you know, reading, <laughs> reading the books and things. And, uh, suddenly she's in a way, a little help from outside freed him to be himself and see the things that he needed to see. Yeah, I mean, her the picture she took, she wasn't doing that specifically to help him. But, you know, she was just doing whatever she could because she couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. But she was smart, and you could see it because she'd, he'd come back and go, guess what, I got this guy to turn over all the files. <laughs> and she goes, well, I've been reading. Yeah. He has to do that. She's, she's several hundred pages into that giant book. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fantastic. Not she, she looks like it and acts like it because, again, it's that fish out of water thing. And even if they were somewhere else, they'd still be fish out of water because they are definite stereotype mm -hmm. people, you know. And that's what makes them so much fun. <laughs> I agree, you know, and, and having them in Alabama is just a good time. Yeah. Well, one of yeah. the things I also love is just them together, the two of them. Oh, man. Their personalities yeah. are so much fun. And mm. the thing about, I think this is so brilliant, the thing about fixing the dripping faucet. <laughs> he's yeah. Like, she's like, I tightened it as much as I could. And he's like, did you? Are you sure? <laughs> and then they're clearly, she kind of, looks at him and just the vibe changes between them. And it clearly is going into this playful flirtatious behavior that they've done before. Hmm. I have this certificate. I used a torque <laughs> wrench. That's just like this, you know, and it's perfect because what that does is also set us up. Not only do we love it because it's just showing their dynamic and kind of how they could be attracted to each other. But then also what we love is we see it later. She suddenly goes from being a hostile witness because she sees what he's getting at when he's having her testify. And they're suddenly slipping right back into, oh, I'm going to ask you the questions because I know you have the answers. <laughs> you know, and she's like, yeah, I do have the answer. And it's just fun. It's fun to watch them do it. And it's fun to, at the same time, watch them present evidence that is um, unimpeachable, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm as compared to the other evidence that was impeached. God, yeah. In the right. quote I read earlier. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, they're so fun. Another moment of togetherness is when um, she said, well, I tried to hustle um, this guy at the pool table, but he stiffed me, right? Right. So they go back to the pool play or the bar and, 
he walks in there. I thought that was great too. You know, um, that whole that whole thing that played out through the whole movie. You know, this yeah. guy. Um, oh yeah. But you know, um, but it was it was them being together in that moment as well, and um, yeah, they and Ralph Macchio's character said, you know, the Gambinis just love to argue. And, mm-hmm. you know, the reason that I like, I want to keep him, the reason that I think that he's going to be good is because, like, when we were kids, there was a magician and Vinny wouldn't let uh, um, the magician get by with anything, you know. And it's like, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that, you know. So he's just like, this is just what the Gambinis do. And right. um, then it, it's like Vinny figuring out how to be himself in the structure of the courtroom is was the key to the, his success, I guess. Oh, that's perfect point. Yeah. Yeah, so then he's under this stress, but he has to rise to the occasion. The stress forces him to become better at who he is. Yeah, the, Maybe. the stress causes him to grow, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting Catholic thought, too, the... The idea about, you know, suffering in general and its value. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like Vinny could be in a comfortable situation the rest of his life, but he would never change and never realize what his potential is. But by by being stressed like that, that's what comes out. He has to he has to respond to it. He could respond or not respond, I guess. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's our responses that, that tell us who we are. Right. It's, it's a kind of our reactions and not our actions sometimes that, that, that help our quality of life. <laughs> when we react to things correctly, life goes better. And that's one of the things that Christianity teaches us. It's, it's not that if we're Christians, we expect not to suffer. It's that... If we're Christians, we expect to be able to withstand it better. Yes. And we know there's potential within the suffering for God to do something good. Exactly, yes. I mean, Agreed. it's not he's going to come down and whisk you out of wherever, but it's, it, well, we, you know, when we read The Hiding Place, that was happening over and over again mm-hmm. to the people within the camp. Well, and um, so, yeah, because that's the thing about Christianity, and it always sounds so doom and gloom when it's like, you know, um, C.S. Lewis said it really well. He's like, you know, suffering, we were promised suffering Mm -hmm. and persecution. That's part of the package. And you think about it, and somehow I've been reading a lot about that lately, uh, and I don't, from different sources that are Mm. just talking about you become who you are through suffering, and luckily, I mean, when none of us wants suffering, and it's but life brings it no matter what, no matter who you are. And therefore, like you're saying, if you're doing the best you can, it, it can help you see things new, anew, connect with God better, um, because you're open. Right. You know, you're not going, oh, because this happened, now I hate God. Or now, you know, I'm shutting this down. Vinny just kept scrambling. And of course, that's he is suffering on a low level. <laughs> and it's funny, a lot of it, you know. The, oh, for sure. The, yeah. The pig mm-hmm. slaughter in the morning, the uh, having to eat grits for breakfast, 
the, the <laughs> train. Oh no, that that's most unusual for that train to come through at that time. Oh good. <laughs> yeah. And then the next day, I thought you said it was unusual. Oh yeah, it's usually earlier. Hmm. You know, in the middle of the night. And so those are all moments of suffering that he's got to rise above while still scrambling to learn the things he doesn't know and allow his native abilities to take over. Because he keeps telling her, I know I could win this. I know I can Mm -hmm. feel it. Mm -hmm. But he's got to overcome all these other things. Yeah. Yep. He's got that intuition too, right? Yeah. I I love that piece of it. It's like, just yeah, I know it. I know it. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying to get it done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's not giving up either. No, not at all. No, and she won't let him. You know, she gives no. him good advice at the right time. Yeah, because she's like, these kids' lives are on the line. What <laughs> are you doing? Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of language in the movie, but it's, to me, funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, are you messing up? Hmm? <laughs> As I say it cleanly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, I do. But it's a it's Love a really that. good pair. They're great together, you know. And then yeah. and that that uh talks about community as well, you know, the right. the the idea, you know, if he was by himself, he wouldn't have succeeded. Well, and the other thing is that she's helping him in a more direct way that he doesn't even know about because he's having all this trouble with the judge who wants to know what are your credentials for having tried other trials. I don't want you to be the trial attorney for people whose lives are on the line, if you don't have some experience. And so this is not unreasonable. Mm. And, and so he keeps, you know, dodging and bluffing and lying and, you know, putting them off and stalling and everything. And she's getting on the phone to the judge who was his mentor, getting him to also <laughs> lie about things right, and pull right. some strings. <laughs> well, and that's the thing when you were saying he, he has to have community and help. And it's it's through the stress that your potential comes out. There was the judge who, was he trying the traffic ticket case that Vinny went down and argued? That that's how he came to this judge's attention. Hmm. And he argued it so well that he proved that the cop was wrong to give him the traffic ticket. <laughs> and the judge later says, you could be a trial lawyer. Hmm. You really have the potential. And he encouraged him. He, he helped him. Here's how you go to school and encouraged him the whole way and everything. And nobody had ever looked at Vinny and said, you have the potential to do more than be a mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And he, uh, and he did it. Took him mm-hmm. six times, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Took the bar six times. Right. Yeah. Right. I love that scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. Two was not my lucky number. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. I had found something where the uh, the germ of the idea to the screenwriter uh, he met a guy who said he just kept keep taking the bar exam till he passed, and he said, "Well, what's the most time someone has taken and failed and finally passed?" And he said, 13 times." Thirteen times! 13. Oh my gosh! And yeah. the lawyer, or I mean, the screenwriter said. Now, how would you feel if suddenly you learned that guy is your lawyer? What if you've been accused of a crime and clearly you have what appears to be the worst lawyer in the country? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yep. And so I thought, what a what an interesting idea. And then when you also put it in the New Yorker and the Deep South idea, along with a really compelling courtroom case, 
it's it's a dual track that provides so much fodder both to keep you interested in the mystery of how did how are you going to prove these boys didn't do it how's Vinny going to pull it off mm. um with like you say the fish out of water the the guy who thinks he's clever uh, the, the bully yeah. in the pool room yeah and it shows Vinny's street smarts you know <laughs> he figures everything out instantly like you say <clears throat> yeah and i love when when he when it when he shifted gears and suddenly started to cross examine and win, you know, I'm done with mm-hmm. this guy. You know, I love it. Yeah. Um yeah. that was really compelling. It was great. Yeah. Well, and I love when the, the judge gets so caught up in what's going on, showing that nobody is perfect. Mm-hmm. The judge, uh, when he's standing with the tape measure going, okay, this is half the distance you say that you saw those boys at. How mm-hmm. many fingers am I holding up to the one lady? <laughs> and, and the judge says, let the record record he's holding up two fingers. And he's like, judge. <laughs> he's, oh. <laughs> you know, so it's it's a funny moment, but mm-hmm. it's also nobody's perfect. Yes. Yeah. He's like, because then he says, now, you know, Miss, whatever her name is, and he goes, and only you. And he look, gives the judge a hard look. <laughs> he's, uh, he's like kind of angry. He's like, okay, fine, I mess, messed up. Oh, How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> oh, yeah. awesome. I yeah. like that. Yeah, and the grits thing, you know, when he, uh, mm-hmm. when he said, <laughs> how do you get boiling water to sink into a grit faster than other people and <laughs> how he, how he put all that, which I'm not giving it justice, but Oh man, that yeah. was funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Well, just good. And the other thing I like is what you see in that process of the questioning is that the, um, the witnesses also are, don't have, um, any malice or they don't, they don't have any prejudice one way or the other against these boys. They're honestly trying to give the best account. It's just their accounts are not right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they interpreted them and collapsed time and thought they saw things more clearly than they did and all that stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah. Even the sheriff uh, near the end when Vinny figures it out and he, and he walks over to the sheriff and gives him a note and says, go look for this. And the sheriff does want to know why, mm-hmm. but they, they have a private conversation off screen in which I, I assume that Vinny said, I've figured this out and this is, these are the people that did it. They're driving this and that's what you need to find. Mm-hmm. And the sheriff went ahead and did it. He, he didn't, you know, yeah. he didn't argue and say you're wrong. And you know, my, my whole, you know, this is going to affect my career negatively or, you know, all these things mm-hmm. that you would see you know, uh, people might do. He didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. He was at, at the end interested in catching the right people. Yeah. And then he let him keep the credit when he says, well, acting on a private hunch, mm-hmm. I went and looked this up, you know? Yeah. And then he, it's okay. He doesn't need that credit. That's yeah, fine. For let sure. the sheriff have it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. And, um, yeah, I want to reiterate that uh, Marissa Tomei's character was just fantastic. <laughs> she stole the screen every time she was on it. Oh, um, yeah. And the, and the speech where she mentioned the deer lips was just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> now I ask you. 
<laughs> Do you care what kind of pants the guy is wearing who shot you? <laughs> oh, that's too funny. The one I like is where her biological clock is ticking. Oh, that's a famous She's wearing one, the yeah. most outrageous jumpsuit in the mm-hmm. world. She's like, and you said we would get married. And I'm still waiting for you to win that case. And it's mm-hmm. been six years and my biological clock is ticking and she's stomping on the porch. <laughs> and the thing that works about that is it's funny, but it's also real. Yeah. You yeah. understand the frustration and why she's along and why she's so interested in what's going on and why she wants to help. And um, because her marriage counts on this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's not necessary but it adds another element of reality, I think, to yeah, the whole thing. Right. So. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And especially when he's going, oh, I have this. My nephew and his friend's lives are on the line. And I have a judge who hates me. <laughs> and I have it. And, of course, the judge doesn't hate him. The judge doesn't trust him. Right. Right. And he hasn't earned mm-hmm. the judge's trust. hmm You know? Yeah. So, um Perfectly but normal it, reaction. Yeah, and now I got your biological clock. Do I need this? Well, all right, it could have been bad timing. Thank you. <laughs> but it's a graceful way to handle the argument, too. Yes, yes. They're both reasonable. They listen to each other. You know. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, this movie's full of people like that that are they're letting things go. Mm-hmm. And isn't that a life lesson? <laughs> Let it right. go. Move on. Let it go. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, boy, they love arguing, though. They just love arguing. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's the fact that they, again, the dripping faucet, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's a turn-on for them. Yeah. You know. Right, right. (laughs) And you're just like, oh, that's a funny (laughs) relationship. But it works, you know. Yes, it does work. That's fun. You bet. I suppose it's too late for a My Cousin Vinny, too. No, no, we don't want that. <laughs> That's one was perfect. Yeah, I agree. Two would screw I, it up. I say that as a complete joke because, yeah, <laughs> this would be them ruining it, right? It's it's right. just one of those things. It's a it's kind of a perfect gem of a movie, and um, yeah, Hollywood. Uh, probably somebody had an idea for a part two somewhere along the line. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. So you bet. Probably, but you know, Joe Pesci had one. The Oscar for was it Goodfellas? Yeah, he won it for Goodfellas. That was before this, right? Uh, I think he won it. I think the Academy Awards happened during the mm. filming because I read something that said he brought the Oscar on set for everybody. To oh, see. that's cool. So and how cool won, is it that yeah. Tomei won? Yeah. For, oh, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, for this movie. Yeah, yeah. which is really great. Yeah, and then this is Fred Gwynn's last movie. That's something else, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he passed away shortly after this, you know, within a year or so. Yeah. Too bad. He's, yeah, beloved guy. Um, well, certainly, like I say, I was so interested to see him in this part because I was like, oh, man, you know, Herman Munster. And then mm-hmm. he was, he surprised me. Mm. He was so good. And I mean, and not that I thought he'd be bad. I was just like, this is a weird choice. Uh-huh. Um, and he was really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. The other thing I thought, this is just a bit of trivia. Yeah, he's got a Yale Law degree as the Judge Haller on his wall, but mm. he actually graduated from Harvard on the GI Bill. Huh. So he was highly educated. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, this is another bit of trivia that, um, you know, like I was saying, the town seems very real. And of course, I think they filmed somewhere real. But <laughs> the prison scenes were filmed at a correctional institution in Georgia. I mean, it was set in Alabama, but it was filmed mm -hmm. in Georgia. And it says um, that <laughs> the guards in the movie were real prison guards. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, good for them. How cool is that? I think it's that? that thing where they're just like, oh no, well, you can film here, but mm -hmm. yeah, we have to, the real guards can be used. It's fine. Oh, that's nice. That is fun. Yeah, I, I like when they do those things. Oh, yeah. there was something else, and this was just, again, this is just trivia. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe we have more serious things to talk about still, but I love this. The, the scene where. The so the thing about the grits mm -hmm. and how long it takes to cook them and everything, the screenwriter was inspired by a courtroom tale about Abraham Lincoln, who was representing an accused murderer, and a witness said he saw his client kill a man under full moonlight. And he showed up with an almanac and went, how is it possible <laughs> that you had a full moon? And the almanac clearly says, you know, there was mm. no moon that night or whatever. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, so I that's did love neat. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I thought it was very realistic what, you know, um, what he, when he cross-examined them, mm -hmm. you know, you had grits, you had a dirty window and then you had um, glasses. Right. <laughs> and all three of those were just really valid things you know and yeah, um, you didn't have to have an expert witness for any of those things you just had to have looking a little deeper because you're more interested which is mm -hmm. how you should be yeah if you're a lawyer um the other people have no reason to question it mm -hmm. that all makes perfect sense what they're saying and all of three of them are telling a similar story from different vantage points and they weren't even near each other the witnesses so why wouldn't you believe it Right, well, right. circumstantial evidence isn't always right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something I've discovered lately in terms of context. Even in the simplest things, we can think we understand the context for someone's decisions or actions. And you get one more piece of information and you feel like an idiot because you didn't know the whole story. And this happened just this last weekend. We, we, my mom, my husband, and I all went out to White Rock Lake, which is a big uh, park near here. And we're, she can't move very fast or very far. So we're just taking in the people and not in from one spot. And there's a guy who's having his kid ride a bike on a slanted uh, hill. It's not a big slant, but it's got grass all over it. And we're right next to the bike trail. People are wishing around, but not so many that a kid couldn't learn to ride a bike there. And we're watching him. And this kid is laboring. And you can see by the set of his shoulders, every time he stands up from falling over, he's more and more discouraged. The father's being encouraging. But every time people went by who were just walking, they were all saying the same thing we've been saying is, you don't teach a kid to ride a bike on a hill on grass. Mm. You just mm. don't do it. Yeah. This dad's bad father mm. or bad bike teacher. Bad bike teacher, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a bad father. Bad bike mm -hmm. teacher. Yeah. One guy 
came up and talked to us about it. He was taking a slow walk and he went, I can't believe that guy. <laughs> you know, we're just like, I know. <laughs> well, we get down to, we're almost ready to go. And here comes the, a mother, the mother with a younger kid and they're doing it. And this kid's faring better, but they're still doing it. And we're like, what is with these people? Cause the kid was pushing his bike up there. So there's no indication he can ride any other way. And at the very end, the mother's standing at the top of the slope the father takes the kids down onto the cement part of the trail. Nobody's coming. And he starts them off there and he goes, okay, now get a good start here and go all the way up the hill to your mom. And when he did that, I suddenly went, they already know how to ride bikes on cement. He's teaching them to ride in these conditions because like they're going to do a family biking trip or mm. go hiking somewhere. Or I suddenly went, oh my goodness, he's got a specific different purpose than any of us interpreted. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. And, and I said, oh, my gosh. And we all went, holy crap, that makes sense. Yeah. We that have does. been bad-mouthing this guy without even talking to him for no reason, and it didn't matter. I'll never see him again, and none of us were saying anything that mattered, and he didn't hear us. Um, or he would have explained, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But how that's how easy it is to mm -hmm. do, to sit in judgment of somebody over something dumb. Yeah, how for How much sure. more so in somebody, you know, Absolutely. their life is yeah. at stake. Yeah, and um, and then another piece of that is, you know, these three witnesses, they did see something, right? They all saw right. a car drive out of there at high speed. Right. And the car was the same color as the, the car that these two had. Right. And, um it's a natural human thing to, to um, make connections in your head. You know, it, it's natural. Right. It's a thing that we just do. And um, for them to, you know, what do you call it? Suggestion or whatever. Mm -hmm. They said, you know, hey, did you see, could this be the car? Could these be the people, you know, yeah. turning into, yes, that is the car. And yes, those are the people mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it's similar, you know. Right. Well, because right. it was a lineup. They were in a lineup, weren't they? Yeah, they were in a lineup. That's right. Because the store clerk picked them out. Uh-huh, right. Or somebody. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, you got, you got it. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it doesn't mean we can't draw conclusions, but yeah, <laughs> we should be a little more careful about how we come down in a uh, hard conclusion about it, maybe. Exactly. Judgment. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So sure. much fun. This is such a funny movie. Yeah, and of course we were we were hitting on uh, things that were not as funny, but mm. <laughs> yes, but it is a funny movie. It's fun and funny. All the actors are great. Just just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. A lot of great fun. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Absolutely. go see it if you haven't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just watch it again if you haven't watched it recently. Yeah. It's just it wears well. It, it does wear well. well. It does wear well. Very yeah. good. Very good. Oh, and I can't remember if there's. Did I mention this? That um, one of the things that really makes this movie work, and I thought this was really interesting, is that the reason that it works is because the comedy isn't based around the scenario. Mm -hmm. The comedy is put in the characters. So the scenario and the story are not ridiculous. It's Vinnie Gambino and Mona Lisa Vito who are ridiculous <laughs> mm -hmm. or the guy in the bar. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, you know, it's the characters interacting with each other 
because these people are outrageously stereotyped and just over the top, that's what makes the humor. That's why we can also watch the the courtroom drama and be fascinated because it's real life. It matters. Mm-hmm. So that's very skillful writing also. Yeah, very skillful. They're not, because one of the things he found, the, the screenwriter went on a, um, went on a research trip to the South. Mm. And so he had a lot of the experiences from the movie, the mud and the tires, the grits, the train <laughs> waking him up and all that stuff. And it says, but they were always afraid that he was going to make them look like bumpkins because they were used to, oh, you're from a small town in the South, you're bumpkins. Mm. That's the prejudice that they always encounter in the movies. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's the thing about the, you know, like say the judge being very, as we said, being very anxious to, you know, oh no, we do things by the letter of the law here. We're not messing around and we're not bumpkins essentially. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Right. I just thought that was funny that that was kind of based in his true life experiences, but they're all like, please don't show us as bumpkins. Mm. (laughs) Heck yeah. Yep. And he did a good job. It's great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, the bumpkins are the guys in the bar, or that uh-huh. one guy from the bar, or whatever. And and that's the, he's as outrageous as Vinny in his own yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yep, that was funny. Yep, laugh out loud moment, you know, <laughs> when that last time that he encountered that dude. That yeah. was funny stuff. I don't have time to worry about this. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just launches himself. Yeah. Oh, too funny. Yeah. Really yeah, good so physical funny. comedy. Too good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, thanks for watching this one. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so it fun. It was a pleasure. Yeah, so fun. A real pleasure. Very good. Very good. Yes. All right. So next up, we're, we're getting into October. My very <gasps> yeah. favorite. So we're going to do three stories next time. Three uh, short stories, right? Yeah, well, two are short stories and one's a novella, really. Novella and a couple of short stories. So Mm -hmm. the first one is How Fear Departed the Long Gallery by E.F. Benson and Dark Benediction by Walter M. Miller and Honeysuckle Cottage by P.G. Woodhouse. Yeah. Love it. That's exciting. These these are all, um, I would say, kind of like scary ghost-type haunted stories where they go against type. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not typical. I mean, where they're typical, it's used to good advantage in a different way than you expect. Mm. So excellent. Pre- expect the unexpected. You bet. You bet. Okay. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you.